Today we're going to finish a series uh, called Awkward Bible Stories. So have you, uh, have you happened to have an awkward moment yet this morning? I'm just curious. I ha- I've had, thank you, thank you. I've had about three already this morning. And one of them was, you know, when I, when I tried to get us to keep a beat a second ago, and we just didn't pull that off very well, but we tried. <laughs> that was just a little bit awkward. When we, but, but hey, if you're thinking that maybe you've had an awkward moment and that because things might be a little awkward, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong place, I'm here to tell you this morning that you're in the right place. Um, because that is actually what being a Christ follower, not only being a Christ follower, but that's actually what life is also about. That you will not be able to avoid the inevitable awkward moments. And so what we've been doing in the previous weeks is we have uh, been looking at some awkward passages in scriptures in Scripture. And one thing I noticed, we have a, a team that I've been praying with on Wednesday, and we We've been attempting to draw near to God a little bit more. And one thing we all confessed is that as we did this, we had an awkward resistance um, that comes up when we try to draw near to God. So what we've been doing is rather than avoiding all these things and just not talking about it because it's awkward, rather we are wrestling with it. And allowing the Lord, the Lord to speak to us through these awkward moments. And as I shared a couple of weeks ago, allowing the Lord to speak to us through talking donkeys in our life. The things that we didn't expect. We don't expect these encounters. We didn't expect to be in this situation. But somehow this situation is speaking to us. So today, though, we're going to talk a little bit about, as we close, we're going to talk about a different type of awkward. And so before I do that, I want to pray and uh, we will get started this morning. Well, Jesus, you're alive, and now as, as the congregation is here, they need to hear from you a whole heck of a lot more than they need to hear from me. And so, Lord, now we allow your spirit to bring forth your truth. Lord, I ask for the anointing that does an amazing thing where you speak to hearts um, and, and, and it in ways that may be different from person to person but the same God that is bringing life and revelation to them. So now in moments like this, may our hearts be free. May our ears be open so that we can hear from you and recognize your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, rather than have uh, one text this morning, I'm going to talk you through three different texts in Scripture, and I'm actually not going to read them right out of Scripture. I'm going to have Nick put them up on the screen for me, and I'm going to describe them to you and a few different things that are happening. So I'm going to begin in a story in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 42. And as I said, I'm going to continue the theme of, of awkwardness today. And so in Acts, in Acts uh, chapter 9, verses 36 through 42, there is this lady named Tabitha, but Scripture says also called Dorcas. I'm not a lady, but ladies, I'm assuming if you have a choice between Tabitha or Dorcas, you're probably going to go with Tabitha. But Dorcas was her nickname, and, and it said that, that what had happened her here, it said that she, she was a woman who, who gave to the poor. She was this incredible woman, and she had different things that she had made, and this woman, Tabitha, had passed away. Now, I've done enough funerals to know that sometimes there's what, we, what I've called funeral dressing, where we, I know there's 
people have a hard time saying a lot of good things about a person. This wasn't one of those cases. This was a case where um, this was a very good woman and everyone had to testify and everybody's heart was broken because of what had happened to this woman. <coughs> and Peter comes onto the scene and he goes into Tabitha's room and kneels down, bends a knee down and prays beside her. And he says he, he had a choice to choose between Tabitha and Dorcas. And Peter says the words, Tabitha, get up. And Tabitha gets up. And it says that this was heard all over Joppa. And because of this testimony, because of what happened here, many people began to believe in the Lord. I want to tell you another story that happened in Acts 20, verses 7 through 12. Another, uh, a boy by the man, it's going to have something to do with a boy uh, by another really common American name, Eutychus, of course, right? So his name's Eutychus, and Paul, what's going on is Paul is preaching to this congregation until midnight. And the scripture says that, that, that there's a reason why scripture says this. It says that they were in the upper room, and, and it was getting close to midnight. He'd been preaching for a long time. You know, we're talking hours and hours, and and it said there were many lamps in the room. So what that means is, is there's an upper level. Those lamps are sucking all the oxygen out of the room. And so then they describe this boy who is sitting in the window, this young boy still trying to listen to Paul, but he's sitting in the window trying to get some fresh air. And you know what happens to him? He falls out the window, falls out the window all the way to the floor, all the way to the ground. And the scripture says he was found dead. And Paul reminiscent of Elijah in the Old Testament, goes and lays his whole body on him and grabs this young man, and he says, don't be alarmed. There is still life in him. And this young man gets up. And you would think, so, and you would think if in church, if someone had died you, and you, you'd gone for a long time, you might want to stop preaching, right? But what happens when someone dies and comes back to life? <laughs> Paul continues to preach until the sun rises. And then it says that, he gets, that they get breakfast and they move on. And then he finally moves on. So then there's one more story. And you may have heard of this guy, a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus had been uh, in the grave. For, so what had happened was, was Jesus was, was out in, in a way. And he had heard that his cousin Lazarus was sick. And so Jesus starts making route towards Lazarus and his family once again. Lazarus is Jesus' cousin. So he starts making route towards Lazarus, but he's doing ministry on the way. And while he's doing ministry on the way, Lazarus dies. And so not even, the, even though he is the son of God and doing a great many miracles, he's coming back to family, okay? Even the son of God has family. And, even the son, and you know what his family says to him as he comes back? Jesus, if only you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And so Jesus comes upon the scene and he's got, everybody's just kind of frantic and you're doing all these miracles all across the world and you come back and, and Lazarus has died and people are falling at his feet and Mary and Martha are just in tears beside themselves and the smallest passage in scripture, two words, it says that Jesus wept and he identified, rather than using this opportunity to get, to get a little bit angry and say, so it's my fault that this guy died. Um, he, he goes off and he identifies with our human emotions. And the next thing that he does is he commands 
he goes to the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. And if you're watching a Jesus movie, seeing this scene, that's about the time the resurrection music starts to come on and Lazarus walks out with the grave clothes still on. Now, I've just given you three stories. And maybe you would say that, you know what, I, I, don't, uh, I don't see what is so awkward about these stories. These are actually awesome stories. Well, today I want to tell you that you're right. These are a different kind of awkward. And I'm going to call it awesome awkward. Because, see, the awesome awkward is what you've got to realize is that Tabitha... Eutychus and Lazarus, they lived on. So imagine, you know, meeting up with Lazarus two days later when you were there four days ago and the guy was in the tomb. And here you come back four days later and there he is again. (laughs) Hey, uh, so you're doing good, right? I mean, I think I did this when I did this and I I taught this in uh, youth ministry. I don't know if you guys ever saw the Chris Farley show um, uh, on Saturday Night Live. Not that I would encourage you to watch it, but I can't deny that I, that I saw it. And he, would, he was a horrible interviewer, and it's like he would say, you don't know what to say when you see somebody like Lazarus. You say, Lazarus, you remember that time when Jesus resurrected you from the tomb? That was awesome. And that's, that's all you got to say. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's awkward that you are still here, but it is so stinking amazing. And that's the same kind of thing with Eutychus, with Tabitha. All throughout Scripture, imagine what it have been like when, they would have, when everyone else would have seen them. As it says, when Paul re- resurrected Eutychus, they were not a little bit comforted. And when Tabitha was resurrected, this news spread all across Ajapa, and many people began to believe in the Lord. So... This term that I've created, I'm just simply calling awesome, awkward. It's defined by this, as this. A living testimony, when one is not who or what they used to be because they had an encounter with Jesus Christ. See, we all need some more awesome, awkward in our life. But if you take some time to remember or take some time to open your eyes and to see what is in front of you, you may see some awesome awkward as well. See, we say everything, though, these days is awesome. Like, like a junior high school kid will, will spit and see how far he can suck it back up. And somebody will say, that's awesome. No, it's not. It's disgusting. The, the kind of awesome that I'm talking about is something that is, of course, worthy of all. The recognizing the presence of God in someone's life, recognizing the encounter of Jesus Christ in someone's life. See, in Acts 4.13, referring to Peter and John, when Peter and John were performing the same kind of miracles that Jesus did, you know what they said of them? They said, what's going on here? These are unschooled, ordinary Men, I don't, I don't know how many of you would feel if I gave you a compliment and said, you are so unschooled and ordinary. It's amazing. 
I don't think many of you would take that as a compliment. But see, that's a, that, that is the business that God is in. He likes to take these common things and make it all about him. So that when everybody sees unschooled, ordinary men doing supernatural miracles, they know that it doesn't have anything to do with these men. It is the presence that is in their life. It is the encounter that they have had with the living, active, and present Jesus Christ. And so that whole element, I prayed about this with some people this week, that that whole element of striving and and competing, and we do this in both ways. We have this feeling where we're always right and someone else is always wrong. And you know, as you come in this morning, you're thinking, man, I wish he would just be more like me. Or man, I wish he would listen to me. Or man, I wish she would listen to me. And I'm right and she's wrong. And then when we do that on the negative side, we get in the habit of comparing ourselves to other people. And then we start pointing out our own insecurities and we think we're worthless because we're trying to compare ourselves. We think we should have things that everybody else does. And Jesus is in the business of saying, will you just stop? It's not all that you can do that I'm going to anoint. It's, will you just let me anoint you as you are? I don't want everyone to see all that you can do. I want everyone to see my presence on you so that they will know who I am. That is the awesome, awkward that, that Peter and John were being testified to in this text. And also... All throughout the the book of Acts and all throughout the New Testament, we read about a man named Paul. Before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. And in Acts chapter 9, I've said in church many times before, when he's on, he has all of the papers to persecute. He's been given by by the Pharisees. He has been given permission to go and persecute, which also means execute any of these new Christians that he wants to because they are preaching blasphemy. So he has been given, granted access to go to all of the different um, synagogues all across Israel and to basically preach against all of the Christians. And while he's on his way there on a place that Scripture calls the Damascus Road, he has an encounter with Jesus Christ and his life is changed forever. So he uses those same papers that he was given to preach against Christians to now go into the synagogues and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was what I call awesome, awkward. So I wonder what some of you are thinking right now. So how does this apply to me? Pastor Brody, how does this have anything to do with me. These are neat stories in Scripture, but, um, you know, I'm not the Apostle Paul. I'm not a disciple of Jesus Christ. I've not been dead for four days. Um, nor do I feel like I'm at the point in my faith where I'm ready to lay my body on someone and in the name of Jesus bring them back to life. But here's what I want you to understand this morning. Believe it or not, Believe it or not, in this church, we have some pessimistic people. We have some scared people. We have some easily offended people. We have some, there can be some grumpy people. There can be some selfish people. And I'm not just talking about myself. Now, nor am I saying that it is normal, not normal, to have these tendencies to behave in this way often. 
But we need to come together in moments like today as the church of Jesus Christ and recognize that typical negative patterns of human expression do not reveal the awesomeness of the presence of God. See, the awesome awkward is when you live in such a way that does not make sense to the rest of the world. When you have joy when you shouldn't. When you have peace when you shouldn't. When you forgive when others would expect you to be vengeful and to to carry that and be angry and ready for another conflict. When everybody else is gossiping or when everyone else is being negative. You're that one that comes into the room and makes it awkward by saying something positive. And you've had that person. Come on, you've probably been on both sides of that before. You've had, come on, we were just having our little fun time talking about someone. And you had to come in and say something positive. What's wrong with you? Maybe you've had those moments where, or excuse me, or the person that, that everyone else is using as a doormat and adding detail after detail to personal stories about someone not in the room in a way that not be true. And maybe, you, maybe you, you've been or you've seen the awkward one who says, you know what, guys, can we just stop and shut up and just pray for this person? I don't think that what we're doing is really that effective. Let's believe God for what he wants to do in their life. Wouldn't that be awkward? But wouldn't that be awesome in revealing the presence of God here in this earth and what it is that God wants for his people and what he wants to reveal to the world around him? See, I heard a story this week from someone in our congregation, and I had a a couple of these that I'll share this this morning, and I'm not going to mention any names and I don't think I got permission from any of you to, to share these stories, but I'm sorry I'm going to do it anyway because I'm not going to mention your names. But, um, but I had one person who, who was going through a really stressful time, and they had a moment where nothing had changed, but they sensed the presence of God in a very real way. They had an awesome, awkward moment. Where all the challenges, all the conflicts, all the chaos that's still there. But all of a sudden we have peace that we didn't have before. We, didn't, we have joy that we didn't have before. We have perspective that we didn't have before. And that's something that the presence of God, that God is willing to bring to us at any moment that we are ready to receive it. But it might be a little awkward at first. Because we often just want everything to change. See, to experience this, we have to get in the presence of of the Lord. And what I'm trying to tell you this morning, church, is that when we deal with the awkward in our life, others will begin to see the awesome awkward in our life. The presence of God in our life. See, if anything that this series has done is that I hoped it's exposed to you that you really can't completely avoid awkward moments, that even scripture is awkward, which is why we wrestle with it. So today, right now, as you sit here, do you have some awkward, uncomfortable patterns in your life? This time, I want to ask our our deacons to come, and we're going to begin to transition to communion. And I was surprised by another person this week that they express the, uh, that someone else in our congregation expressed some awkwardness that they felt when they'd seen someone that they hadn't seen in a long time. 
And it wasn't the person that they saw, but the person that they saw was connected to another person that they didn't like very much. And so when they saw them, it was just, well, awkward. And they noticed this unnecessary bitterness that they still had towards that whole situation. And the, the presence of God allowed them to expose that, 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 that bitterness in that moment. And realize, what, what is this? Why, am I, why do I still feel this way? Why am I still hanging on to this? And so is, uh, oh, I did ask our deacons to come. I don't see them coming. <laughs> um, so it reminds me, I would finish sooner. if you know, I'm just waiting for you guys to come up. <laughs> So it reminds me of communion table today. Because Luke, uh, chapter, Luke chapter 14 gives us a parable of the great wedding feast. That whether you like it or not, as a Christ follower, I believe you're going to get to spend eternity with Christ. But there's also what Scripture says is called Um, the judgment seat of Christ. Not the great white throne judgment. Scripture calls it the judgment seat of Christ. It's a judgment for Christians. And there's there's going to be this purifying, this thing that happens to us, and I'm not going to pretend to explain it. It's just what Scripture says. I don't completely understand it, but there's this thing that we are purified, and the things that we don't figure out here, we're still going to have to figure out there. Now, what I'm trying to say is that we, we also have a Scripture that says, that we prayed this morning, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if heaven were to come crashing down on earth, is that something you would really be comfortable with? So let me give you an example. If we were to come to the wedding feast today, this is the time we're united with Christ and all of our brothers and sisters that we were with on earth that that have given their lives to Christ, we're all going to celebrate together. And all of a sudden, it's like the lights go off and the lights come up. And, oh, no. Look who I'm sitting next to. That person that I never forgave on earth. No matter how many times the Lord told me to do it and I would be free, no matter how long I hung on to it, I still just couldn't do it, and now look who's next to me. Church, I want you to understand, you can't run away from these things forever. You can't run away from the awkward moments forever. What a better day than today to be a man or a woman of God and say yes to the awkward call that the Lord has for you. So, as many times before, we've We've, as we come to communion, we talk about it being a time of remembering. Today I'm going to ask it just to be a little bit more symbolic of coming to, to Christ's table. And that wedding supper in eternity. And so before we do this, as, as we always do when we take communion, we need to have a time where we examine our hearts first. And so in these moments, every head bowed and every eyes closed, all eyes closed. And for a few moments now, as we've been talking about awkward moments the last four weeks, what has the Lord been laying on your heart? Maybe there's talking donkeys in your life.
Maybe there's some realities that, that you've, some conviction that the Lord has given you that you've just not dealt with. Today, before you come forward, I want to encourage you to ask for forgiveness, to, to repent. And that repent just simply means to turn away from those things. I want to encourage you to come into agreement with the Lord this morning and what His will is for you. So at this time, I want to have just to continue to have a moment of reflection as long as you want. I'm always over here to the left. I would love to be given a privilege to, to pray with you this morning. If it's a prayer of forgiveness for someone else, it's a, if it's a prayer of repentance, if it's just even a prayer for healing, I would love to, to have the opportunity to pray with you this morning. But as you feel led, and we'd ask that our communion line to to be a line that no one talks in, that we still have a time where we're reflecting as we're coming forward and preparing for that coming to the wedding feast one day. So as you feel led, you're now invited to, to come to the middle of the sanctuary and begin to make your way forward as we partake of communion together.
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the moments that we've had together to reflect and to be reminded that we are to be people of the presence of God. I confess that this certainly isn't something that I think about every day. And Lord, Lord, I need your spirit, your conviction to remind, to remind me that you are present. And that, Lord, you are ready to reveal yourself to the world through me if I will only let you. And so, Lord, forgive me for all of the, the anger that I often hang on to. Forgive me for the pride that I hang on to, for the selfishness, and soften my heart to love as you love. And Lord, I pray that prayer over each and every one here. That there would be testimonies of the awesome awkward in our life. That others can't deny that they've had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And the presence of God is strong on them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.